0: Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. Payback Time is a podcast that dives into the real story behind the person. How did they build their business? What challenges did they overcome? What mistakes did they make? And how did they achieve their goals? The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's Payback.
1: Do you or someone you know have an interest in moving to Canada? This can be a confusing and intimidating process for most, but what if you had someone help you through every step along the way? My next guest is an immigration consultant who helps people from all over the world move to Canada. In this episode, we talk about the qualifications to get into Canada, the red flags to prevent you from getting in, the process, and the estimated timelines. This is a must-listen for anyone considering the move. Please welcome Brandon Miller. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Great to be here. Hey, glad to have you. So why don't you kick us off here and give us your career backstory?
0: Awesome. Well, I help people find a nice, secure second home here in Canada. So I do that as I'm an immigration consultant. Uh, educator, author, all of the different taglines. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I've been helping people for the last 10 years, um, you know, find a safe, secure second home here in Canada. So that's what I do.
1: So if you could break that down a little bit, what is a consultant and how does it differ from like um, an immigration attorney?
0: So um, there's only two types of uh, people that can actually do immigration work to Canada for a fee. And that's either an immigration consultant or a lawyer who's a member of a provincial bar. Mm -hmm. So I actually originally went and and prior to, you know, graduating and whatnot, I was going to go become a lawyer. But I actually went overseas for a number of years and, and found my way over there for about 15 years. And then I came back to the law later on. I discovered this profession called immigration consulting, and basically what it is is I do Exactly the same thing that a lawyer can do in terms of helping people come to Canada. Mm -hmm. However, I'm a one-shot pony where I just do immigration work and I'm very specialized in the type of work that I take on. So one of the differences between a consultant and a lawyer is that we actually don't go to federal court um, and do things like judicial reviews, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's basically, there's no real difference Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, we just help people come to Canada and settle in.
1: Do you need any kind of certification for this?
0: I do. Yeah, we're regulated. Actually, we're covered now by federal statute, which basically means it's an act of parliament that allows my profession to exist, similar to a law society or a doctor or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we've had a regulatory body for about 20 years Uh, It's actually illegal in Canada to get any type of immigration help from anybody and pay a fee for service or any type of consideration for service and help somebody immigrate to Canada
1: unless they're a consultant or a lawyer. Got it. Okay. And what is this? Is there a name of the certification that you had to get?
0: Well, I had to go to school. Um, I had to go back to school for it. Okay. So it was an immigration consultation uh, consultant certification. Uh, recently, though, they've actually changed this over, and there's only two places that you can do this in Canada one's with uh, Queen's University, and the other one's with La- Laval or Sherbrooke. I-, I can't remember. I think it's Laval okay. University. So that's actually just kicking off now. So it's actually becoming a, a pretty intense post grad. Uh, law course and Queen's University is one of the uh, premier universities in Canada, and so their law department has actually taken that on for anybody who wants to mm-hmm. study the profession in
1: English. Got it. So let's dive in here to the actual business model. Can you give us a scenario of how it sure how it works if somebody reaches out to you and, and walk us through the process a little bit? So I have uh,
0: I have a company called uh, Maple Immigration Services, and Maple Immigration Services is like any type of you know, law firm or any type of professional firm. So generally what happens is, is three step process. Somebody would reach out and they would say, I want to come to Canada. So we would do an intake where we'd be like, OK, well, what do you want to do? Like and and we would see if they qualify after that. We would do a consultation with them and then we would say, here's your plan. And then we would actually press ahead and be able to process and represent them and, and do everything that they need to do with the government to be able to get them here to Canada. Um, recently and over the last couple of years, I've expanded that, uh, because I actually look at the legal system as an old out-to-date kind of concept where it's like, hi, I'm really smart, pay me money and I'll do your stuff. And one of the things that always bothered me was, is that, you know, there was only two choices that I was giving a prospective client and that was either, hi, you can do this or you can kind of go off and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. So what I've done over the last couple of years is, is that I've given people the choice to be able to say like, hi, you can have me do it, or you can have, you can do it yourself, and I'm going to show you everything that you need to do. And you can take all of that on. And if you get into trouble, then at least you know where to come and find some good service. So that I'm actually very proud of because I think it's the way that the world is going. And especially uh, this morning, strangely enough, it was on the news. There was uh, something in Yahoo Finance where they were talking about some of the careers that were going to be extinct over the next little bit. And sure enough, lawyer and legal secretary were on the list. Um, really? Because, yeah, yeah. As one of the as one of the uh, professions. And I see that more and more like we, you know, we see the government. I think where what the way that I look at it is, is that you know, yes, everyone thinks that the information's all out there on the internet. Yes, it is. But the true art form of that is is understanding what you're looking at and being able to articulate it to your current situation or to your personalized situation. And I think that that's where people actually need to understand where things are going. Everything sure is on the internet and maybe what your friend or somebody similar to you in a similar profession did might be similar, but it's not always, it's not always the best. And when you're dealing with complicated legal processes and laws and whatnot, um, you have to understand that stuff. So what I'm trying to do and how I'm pivoting my business, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, is that I'm actually providing people the ability to choose how they're going to do their journey uh, well, at the same time, empowering them with the knowledge that they need to know, so that they don't get themselves into trouble.
1: Got it. Does that make sense? It does. There's in, and I can relate in the line of work of ticker and and around investments. Is there's a lot of lot of bad advice out there, and, mm-hmm. and there's some good advice. And, and to the layman, how do you know the difference?
0: You really, you really don't. And that, I really think it's a vulnerability. And I look at myself, like I, Mm -hmm. you know, my biggest weakness is numbers, but you know what, I'm smart enough to go and find somebody who's skilled. I've got an amazing accountant, but it's taken a number of years to be able to get that. But there's also that vulnerability because, you know, I have to trust that person that I know, you know, that he knows what he's doing. So Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's key in any relationship or service kind of so you talked about you've got really two offerings i'm looking at your business model you got a service offering and then you've got what it kind of sound like a do it yourself type is this like um like a course or is it yeah. a book or information Download. so download what i've done is
0: with my second it's actually my second passport.ca i've basically given people and i've said listen there's i have a system that i've developed over 10 years and sure i can do the done for you service like hi brandon i want you to do everything for me right no problem that would be a traditional like representation type arrangement i would give a retainer agreement we would sign all that we would do the work Other people, you know, if they want, what I do is I put them through a a process where they, it's basically a plan, you know, they'll have to do, it's a three-stage process with eight steps. So they have to put together a plan and then they have to be able to implement it. But I've actually taken that one step further for the third step. And that's actually settling and settling into Canada. And why this is important is that prior to me getting into representing people legally, I help people, newcomers to Canada, settle in. And one of the things that I saw is that people would concentrate so much on just getting here uh, that they wouldn't actually think about what they were going to do when they got here. So I've actually built that into my system where they actually have to there's there's two things that need to go in place. you to be successful the first thing is is that you have to get obviously you have to get here and then you have to make sure that you get all the immigration work and everything done but at the same time what you need to do is you need to be able to settle in and there's a lot to that like where are you going to live what kind of job are you going to do what i have a family where are my kids going to go to school like how are they going to settle in like Mm -hmm. all of these different things so part of what i built was with second passport is a system for people to be able to do that and settled in successfully while getting here and thriving. You know, that's what it's all about.
1: Can you tell us like some of the green lights that you're in a discussion like, yeah, you sound like somebody that could probably come to Canada. And then can you share with us some of the red flags that would probably say, hey, it's probably going to be a pretty big challenge.
0: Man, that's a great question. So my ideal client, for somebody who wants to come to Canada and, and do it very seamlessly, um, Canada has a preference for younger people. We're looking for people between 20 to 29. Okay. Um, and the reason is, is I always refer to Canada as a bit of a Ponzi scheme or, or a pyramid scheme where we need younger people to be able to keep paying taxes so that we can actually support all of these benefits that we have. One of the benefits, especially with, you know, a lot of people that I get inquiring from the U.S. is the free health care, right? Well, you know, we, we have a tax system that we have to have where people can actually pay into the system. And just to give you some ideas on the numbers, back in the 1970s, we had six workers to every one retiree. Currently, we have three to one. And by 2035, we're going to have two to one if we keep along the same trajectory. Wow. This is... Yeah. And this is not different for any other Western nation like the US and a lot of countries in Europe are are faced with declining birth rates and whatnot. Mm. So we've actually taken it a different way where we want to bring in people that are younger. We want to bring in people who have either English or French language skills, people that are working in skilled work. uh, There's a preference on that. So skilled work can be anything from a chef to a cook, to a admin assistant, to a doctor, to a CEO of a company. So even tradespeople, like we have a program just dedicated to people who are carpenters and plumbers and electricians. So there's that. And then on top of it, we want to make sure that there's educational credentials. So post-secondary education is actually something that is uh, pretty sought after as well. If somebody's within those demographics, that it's actually quite easy to be able to come to Canada Especially, I'm not sure where most of your listeners are from. I'm assuming that uh, mostly from where? The U.S. predominantly? or
1: um, Well, we've got a lot of customers on ticker, and ticker's global. So we do have people okay. from U.S. and Canada. But, of course, Europe, a lot of customers in India, Malaysia, mm-hmm. Singapore, that area of the world, to Australia. So it's kind of all over.
0: Okay. So if somebody's coming, I'll just touch on a few of those. So if somebody's sure. coming, say, from the U.S., There's different worker mobility provisions through there through the old NAFTA or the USMCA. We always hear about trade agreements, for instance, but with trade agreements, there's always uh, worker provisions. So there's some very unique things for Americans. For instance, uh, I just brought somebody in from Florida. You know, she arrived at the border, applied for a study permit. And, you know, US is the only country that can show up at the Canadian border and apply on the spot for a study permit. So that's one of the benefits. Um, Australia uh, was one of the countries you mentioned. There's a program called IEC, which is the International Experience Canada. Um, It's known as the Working Holiday. This is a great program for Australia because it's got like countless applications for people to be able to come here, actually get an open work permit and be able to work anywhere they want and use that as experience to be able to stay in Canada um, India, uh, India is a huge source country for Canada, and uh, there's a number of different options. We see India as one of the big source countries for students. A lot of people will come here as a student and then transition over through work and and whatnot that way. So, yeah, again, lots of different ways for people to come here, and and this is we're seeing numbers that we haven't seen in like you know since like nineteen early nineteen hundreds, right? So wow. these are really robust numbers because we're gotcha. trying to make up for that.
1: Yeah. Now, we hit on some of the green lights. Can you talk about some of the red flags that you have to unfortunately have that conversation to be like, hey, I noticed you said this or I see this in writing. Right. Um, This is going to be an issue.
0: So, again, what we do is we actually sit down with somebody and we'll do a consultation with them and find out if there are any red flags. Normally, one of the things and, and there's no real deal breakers unless somebody's actually went through and they've lied on an application or if they are a failed refugee claimant, that actually can be have some ramifications as well. But, you know, these things can be overcome. One of the more common ones that people are unaware of uh, until they're sitting at the border and it can be a little uncomfortable is a DUI. Uh, if you get a, a DUI offense, even if you plead, you know, whatever non-contest to it or whatever, and, and it's even a misdemeanor, that actually makes you criminally inadmissible to Canada. And wow. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, they get caught out on that. And what happens is, is they'll come up and they'll come to the border. And what will happen is people will ask them, have you ever had this? And then they'll say, you know what? You're actually in a miscible. We can't actually grant you in today. Now, there are ways around that. There's a number of different ways, but that's actually can be very embarrassing if you're coming up for, say, a work meeting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was something that happened many, many years ago. Right. And you can't actually make your meeting because this little indiscretion. So, again, there's not much that uh, I can think of. Um, You know, one of the reasons that we triage people and make sure that we are able to assist them is because we don't want them to waste time. Uh, Some people, depending on where they're coming from, uh, Canada is going to change not only their world, but the world for their family and and, uh, other people for generations to come. Um, And they really, really want to make that leap. And, you know, we treat that with the utmost respect where, you know, sometimes there's people that we'll talk to and we'll be like, listen, This is not going to happen. You know, maybe you should concentrate on something else or look at something else. And I know you want to come here, but it's just a big hill to climb. And again, not to be Mm -hmm. not to be negative about it, just to be realistic. Like, um, you know, it's not something that everybody can do, but there is a lot of opportunity for people. But it's all about planning and strategy and being very tactical in what you're actually telling the government and how you're presenting your application. And no, that's not uh, hiding things or misrepresenting. But if you're mm-hmm. asked a question, you answer it. But there's certain information that you don't actually have to present that might not be in your best interest. So it's just knowing what that is and what you have to present and what uh, part of the application and whatnot. So
1: sure. So when somebody, you know, quote unquote, comes to Canada, are they actually becoming a citizen or is it like a work permit situation? What is it legally classified as?
0: Well, wow. Great question. Okay, so there's a number <laughs> of different ways to come in, but the easiest way to think about uh, Canadian immigration is, is, are you coming in for a temporary purpose or are you coming in for a permanent purpose? So that's how we look at it. And even our you know, visitor visa, as people call it, we call it a TRV, which is a temporary resident visa. And then we call uh, permanent residence, uh, you know, a permanent residence. You got permanent residence in Canada, which is akin to like, You know, the green card, for instance. Mm -hmm. So the process is this, is anybody can come in under the temporary categories and coming in under a temporary category would be coming in as a visitor, a student or a temporary foreign worker. Sure. Um, That would be that. and, And you can use that experience to transition into permanent residence if you meet certain criteria. Permanent residents, you can come here. If you want to come as a permanent resident, you have to be in Canada two out of five years. Uh, It doesn't have to be all in one block. Like I literally have clients that will come, do their landing, say, yay, I'm a permanent resident. And then they'll actually go away for a couple of years and then come back. A little different from say the US system where you have to make an entry every six months or you're putting your green card at risk you know, you can come here, land, and then come back two, three years later, and then still fulfill your residency requirements for a five-year period. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're here uh, in Canada, uh, you can be here say three out of those five years, and then you can apply for citizenship. And once you become a citizen, you know, you get a Canadian passport, you get all the rights uh, that that entails. And yeah, that you can just take your passport and then flash off for 20, 30,
1: 40 years and
0: come back and retire if you'd like. So, um, nice. right. So, and,
1: and yeah, go ahead. For the TRV, you know, cause I do know people from India that want to come to Canada mm-hmm. that you know want to start work there. What does that timeline look
0: like? Oof, that's a big question. Um, mm. So there's a number of different considerations with that. First mm. thing is, is COVID the uh, right it's throwing the immigration system and timeframes into like ridiculousness um, so much so that the, you know, there's been embassies that have been closed and, and there's such a backlog right now. On, on a lot of the applications, but even on the government website where you can actually check the processing time, it basically they've, I think they've just thrown their hands up in the air and said, yeah, well, here's the processing times, but you know, because of COVID, these are not reliable. Like they even they've even written it on there. So wow. there is, there is no indication on that. However, there is, uh, depending on the situation, like I've had some pretty crazy stuff over the last year and a bit, you know, I've had people that have been terminally ill and needed to reunite with family members. And, and I have to tell you, um, successfully, we've gotten people to hear to say goodbye through like the worst of the COVID border closures and whatnot. So Things can get done, but if you're just coming for a vacation, you know, so. it's it's not uh time frame-wise, it, it might be a little bit longer. Uh I, I think that you know, obviously I think things are gonna start to go in a better direction. I think yep. uh, I think so. And one of the things that uh the government is doing and has done is that we're moving into more of a electronic system which will help them clear out files a little bit quicker. They're employing mm-hmm. AI, which is not, not always a good thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting some pretty wacky decisions out of that. So uh sure. FYI to people who are listening, you know, you might get decisions out and you're like, huh? But um yeah. So anyways, and they're being very tight-lipped on that, I must say. They won't sure. let us know what they're looking at. But no, there is no timeframe. And I wish I could tell you, but
1: On a normal day, you know, it would generally be pretty quick, but these days, don't know. With what you're doing day-to-day, are you working with more people that are looking for the temp option or more the permanent option? A bit of both.
0: One of the things that I will uh, ask people is, is is one of my first questions is like, what do you want out of today? Like if we're doing a consultation, I'll be like, what do you want? And what's your long-term goal? I'm a big kind of goal person. And I believe Mm -hmm. that anything in life that you want to achieve, you need to know what your end result is. And then you just have to work backwards. So one of the things that I will do is I'll say, what do you want to do? And they'll be like, I want to become a citizen. Okay, great. Well, let's work backwards and look at what that is. So a lot of people will find their way here through a temporary pathway, and then what they'll do is is they'll use that experience to parlay that into uh, permanent residence. Kinda. So I have a lot of clients that are in that boat, so to speak. And a lot of people are coming in as students, for instance, and they're studying, which is great. And uh, the reason is, is that, you know, you get your Canadian education. It adds a lot of points to the system. And it actually leads in a lot of cases, if you're smart about it, to your first job uh, very easily. So I know even personally, like I hire out one of the colleges here uh, through their internship program. And I've taken on like three people through that. It's been fantastic. So a lot of people will do that.
1: That's really helpful context there. I know a lot of listeners would be interested to know that difference. So thank you for sharing. Um, I'm curious here. You may not have the answer for this, but it's a good benchmark to know Canada is a two to five year timeline. I'm sorry. I don't know the answer here in the States. Do you know what that timeline is in the US? For the green card? Yeah, offhand.
0: You know what? I should know this because my mother and father-in-law are green card holders. And it's funny because um, I would always everyone was asking me, they're like, Hey, can you help out with this? And I'm like, Hey, I don't do us immigration. <laughs> A, <laughs> right. It's illegal to, uh, and B no, because I keep telling people like, I just do Canadian. And quite frankly, like I looked at the system and it's very confusing even to me. It's like I form this and I form that everything starts with an I. Um, mm. but no, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't quote me on this, but you can have, I know you can have your citizenship in five years. I'm pretty okay. sure. It's a five-year period, but I believe the green cards are valid. I want to say longer.
1: I can't. I, I, I can't I remember. Do believe it's longer? I'm not. I think
0: it's ten years. If I can't, if I remember correctly, but don't quote me on that,
1: please. Yeah. No. I. I knew. <laughs> I, I knew. I knew it was a little more difficult, and I knew. You know. This echoes your comments on COVID, especially now. As I've. I've got friends that have gone back to different countries and now like, let's say India, I've got some friends that live there and they're trying to get back. Well, just travel restrictions and whatnot. They are stuck.
0: Oh man. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I've, I've dealt with a lot of stuck people. Mm
1: -hmm. I will
0: tell you though, it's Mm -hmm. like right now with the travel restrictions and everything that's going on, it's been, it's been pretty crazy in terms of, if you're asking the question though, about in terms of time to process, Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do know about the U S is, is that, uh, cause I deal with a lot of people that are waiting and waiting, especially in the h one b category. The problem is, is that they do priority processing based on nationality. So, you know, we've been talking about India, so India and China and different source countries that are. Uh, have they have a longer line for the processing so they can be waiting for years and years and years because it's processed on nationality whereas we don't actually process like that we process based on the program so I actually have a lot of people from the U.S. that are on H-1Bs and and also Americans I've I've had unprecedented interest from the U.S. over the last uh, number of years which I've never seen before but we've got a lot of people that are H-1B holders and I can tell you this, uh, when they're sitting, uh, there's one person in particular uh, that I was thinking of, and, and I always think about this because he was in the US for seven years and he was waiting and waiting and waiting. And he had, you know, life goes on over, over that period of time, but he had his uh, son and his son was born in the U S and he's never seen New Delhi or India. Mm. And uh, like, he's seen it on vacation, but the one thing that kept him at up at night, cause he was nicely settled, man. He was making, you know, over 200 K a year and he was settled in. And I said to him, I said, why do you want to like, why are you investigating Canada? Like, why are you looking at it? He's like, honestly, he's like, I don't know what's going on here. And I really, I'm afraid of bringing my son back to India and having to put into the system when he's not used to it, because he's every bit American as, as he could be. And I mm-hmm. it just, it keeps him up at night. So I think that's one of the things that I've learned over the years is, is that the type of service, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting off track here. A little no, that's bit, okay. Bit question. But one of the things that I tell everybody here is, is that, you know, some people will say, oh, what do you do? Oh, you fill out paperwork. Why am I? I'm like, no, no, no. When you're sitting sitting there at night, because I call immigration this black box, right? You'll put Mm -hmm. stuff into the immigration department. Then it's like, what's going on? That's when the worrying starts because like, oh, my friend's got his stuff quickly, but I don't. So I actually provide the service where you're sitting there at night and wondering what's going on. You can pick up the phone and get an answer. And I can be like, yeah, we're well within it. And you know what? If things kind of go a little sideways, you know that I'm going to take care of it because that's what I do. So I think that's the biggest thing. And that's what I've learned is, is that people, you know, unfortunately the system, any bureaucratic system doesn't really have a heart. We're trying to put the heart back into the system and and understand that people need to understand the context of what's going on and how it's affecting them. And and also just want to know what's going on with their file and their life, you know?
1: So yeah, that's what we do. I I like that. Putting the heart back into the system. That's good for you. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you wish you would have bought some stocks earlier? Imagine buying Amazon for $125 in 2010. Today, Amazon is over $2,500. Imagine buying Facebook for $25 in 2013. Today, Facebook is over $200. And imagine buying Netflix for $60 in 2014. Today, Netflix is over $400. Do you feel like you find out about great stocks too late? What if you could find great stocks before they become mainstream news? And what if there's a software that found those stocks for you? With Ticker, you can find great stocks before what feels like the rest of the world finds out. Ticker was inspired by successful investors, including Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and my mentor, Phil Town. If you want to know how they consistently beat the market, Ticker is your solution. Get started today with a free trial. Visit Ticker.pro. That's T Y K R dot pro again ticker dot pro. Um, here's a question. This is a fun one to answer. What are some of the big selling points for coming to Canada? Man, you've got you've okay. You've got a lot of fishing. I'm a fisherman, so I'm all on board with that. I love outdoors. You got moose, right? Yes. Yes. There's more there. There's more there.
0: So it depends a lot on where somebody's coming from, in some respects. Um, so, for instance, yeah. there's there's no one answer to that. Yeah. Normally, what I like, what I see is, is that the commonality between a number of different people is, is that they're basically looking at options for the future. And I think no matter where you're coming from, people are looking for different things. You know, and again, I alluded to a lot of the inquiries I get from the U.S. One of the things is medical and. Um, Some people are looking at it from a financial benefit. I've got another guy uh, that comes to mind in Chicago, for instance. He's interested in only getting it for his kids and his grandkids. He's like, look, I got a great job. I want to come in. I want to be able to get the second passport because I'm looking ahead to the future for my kids and my grandkids. And I want to basically see that they have options for something because I don't know what the world's going to look like in that time. That's what I hear a lot. I have other people, funny enough, first time I heard this was about seven years ago. I had a lady from China. She was deciding between Australia and Canada. And I said to her, I said, what? I, you know, because I always ask questions of people. I said, um, why did you choose Canada over Australia? And she said, you know what? Uh, I think Canada's going to have more water. And I think in about 50 or 75 years, there's going to be more water in Canada. I was like, hmm, interesting. Wow. Well, I, I know, but you know what? You have to really respect that, that line of thinking where people yes. are thinking that far in advance and they're thinking not in, you know, five or 10 year increments. And I think the majority of the population thinks like that. So when I get somebody who's looking like 50 or 60 or 70 years in advance for next generations of their family, I think that's that's amazing. I'm hearing the environmental now a lot more. I had somebody uh, mm-hmm. from, from Texas last week that signed up for my service and she said to me, look, you know, she brought it up. She said, look, you know, there's there's droughts and different things that are going on in Arizona and California and there's water rationing. She's like, we're seeing it now. I'm like, water seems to be a big thing. And I'm obviously so, right? Uh, for all of us, we kind of need that. But I'm hearing the environmental stuff a lot. Sometimes there's different moral issues that people have with that. But I think the, the biggest thing, if there's a commonality for everybody, people are looking Everybody in the world is, is pretty much the same. They just want to make a decent wage. They want to have a nice, secure, safe place for their family. And, you know, they just want to kind of be left alone and do, do what they need to do. And I think that on top of that, people are just looking for options to for the future. Sure. One of the other things, too, that I want to point out, uh, again, mostly your listeners from the U.S. have now gotten a taste of this, where other people... Uh, in the world, have had to deal with this for many years. And we in the Western world, uh, having, say, a Canadian or US passport, we don't really understand as much what it's like to be restricted and not able to travel as freely as a lot of other people. And you said you've got listeners from India and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and I deal a lot in the Indian market, I deal a lot in the Philippines and different places. And I can tell you, it's pretty painful for people to be restricted and not to be able to travel freely. They have to go through the visa process. And it's not fun. It's really not fun. So I think, you know, again, Canadians and Americans got a bit of a taste of that with COVID. You know, a lot of Americans showed up at the Canadian border and said, you can't really come in. What? What do you mean? I can't travel? Like, it's, it's something that's actually, we had a little bit of a taste of, but other nationalities have had that. And I remember speaking with a lady from South Africa, and she said, you know, uh, one of the things I asked her, I said, why are you doing that? She's like, I want the passport, because I'm jealous of watching all these other people be able to travel in that. Uh,
1: and I was like, yeah, no, I understand that. So mm, yeah, but yeah. Bit of a long-winded answer there, Sean. I'm sorry. That, no, wonderful answer. And, and thanks for breaking that down. Um, before we jump into the the final round, the rapid-fire round, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is such a unique line of work. You would be the first person in this line of work I actually ever interviewed on the podcast or, or spoken to, um, except I've got one friend that is, uh, she kind of works in the immigration law arena, which is not very common, you could say. So what motivated you to get into this line of work? Oh, okay.
0: So I graduated university. I studied, I I got a law and a psychology degree and Mm -hmm. I was wondering what I was going to do. And I went off and I literally 10 days out of school, I was sitting at an airport in, in Seoul in Korea, teaching English. And literally from the time that it entered my brain to actually sitting there was like less than two weeks. And I'll tell you what, the best thing I ever did was to actually, and I, I turned down some pretty good jobs through <laughs> the process. Um, best thing I ever did was go overseas. And it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I was going to go for a year, come back, go to law school, and, and uh, probably get some sort of job and, and live happily ever after. I'm so happy I didn't do it. I went, I taught for a couple of years. I started a business uh, when I was like 24 but then what happened is, is I was in the educational sphere and I got into my thirties and I was just really not happy with what I was doing. I didn't like, look, money was okay and, and everything was great. And people are like, oh wow, you're living in Asia and you're doing this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I just kind of really don't like what I do. And by mistake, I was doing a, a contract with a company and they had an immigration uh, component to them and they had a educational component. I was working with their educational division And I, you know, I started investigating. I was like, wow, I can kind of help people and help them come to Canada. You know, I, that's what I like to do. That's what I'd love to do. So I investigated, I went back to school and um, yeah, I, you know what, I haven't looked back since. Like I find because I've, I traveled so much and I've seen so much of the world and, and lived outside, the world's a really fascinating and interesting place, but I, like many of my clients, I had my first child when I was overseas. Well, I didn't have the child, my wife did, but uh, my daughter was born and I wanted to come back to Canada for a lot of the same reasons that a lot of my clients want to come back here is that they're looking for like a nice, safe, secure home to raise a family and do what they got to do. So, you know, but here's the thing, I actually get to chat with people from all over the world and help them come back so a lot of people have welcomed me into their homes for a number of years as I've traveled and whatnot so now I actually get to welcome them into Canada and, and you know I, I a lot of people are like oh you know you're an immigration consultant or this I actually see myself as as a nation builder I see myself as bringing in like the next generation of Canadians helping them get started and, and uh, get off to a really good start uh, and that's something that I'm proud to do uh, I'm proud nice. to do what I do I and I get paid to do it. Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm really thankful for what I get to do yes. and, and uh, just, you know, play a bit of a part in people's stories and speechless, you know, it's, it's uh, there's awesome. so, many, so many great things
1: about it. That's, that's inspirational. Thank you for sharing. No worries. All right. What I'd like to do next is transition to what we call the rapid fire round. This is where I'll ask a, a few quick questions and if you could try to answer each in fifteen seconds or less, you ready? Oh man, you got me on the got me on the hot seat here. Do you? Right. This is these are fun though. They should be fairly easy. So this first one is: What is your favorite podcast
0: outside of yours? Um, I'm actually <laughs> I'm listening to a lot of uh, Andy Furcella's podcast. I'm not really down with the politics of it, but I do like his uh, the business stuff and the motivational stuff that he does. Okay. That's one thing I do like.
1: Okay. Never, never heard of them. I'll have to check it out. Check it out. Yeah, it's great. Nice. What is a recent book you read and would recommend?
0: Um, Man, I'm reading so many books these days uh, that I would recommend. Uh, If you want something motivational, actually, you know what? I'm reading a lot of books from Dan Sullivan, um, which is uh, the the most recent one is Who Not How. Uh, That's a book that I would definitely recommend. So yeah, that's one of my top books this year for sure.
1: I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, it's great. He
0: did it with Ben Hardy.
1: Okay. Yep. Add. So, I will add it to my watch list. Check it out. Or wish list. I've got this Amazon wish list that's growing it's <laughs> because of this podcast. No,
0: that's a that's a good one, man. Go check
1: that out. Great right. mindset. Next one here. Now, now we're gonna figure out who Brandon really is. Oh. I, I. Yep. What is your favorite movie? Hands down, Star Wars. All and right. The, okay. The, the original Star Wars. See, now we know who you are.
0: That's it. Yeah. Star <laughs> Wars or Star Trek, right? It's Star Wars. Right
1: understand. on. Yeah. All right. Next question here. What is your favorite food? Oh man, pizza.
0: It's my Achilles heel.
1: Easy go-to. It's, like,
0: it's well, it's either pizza or Korean because of my affinity with Korea. But um, sure. if it was one food, it would be, you know, a nice like thin crust margarita pizza, just a little basil, nice kind of Sold. cheese. I'm
1: there. Yeah, same, totally. Same. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah. All right. Here's a good question for you. How many hours do you work per week? Too much.
0: Um, but you know <laughs> what? I got to tell you, I work a lot, and I it's it's unfortunate. I always say like I'd never go home unless I had kids. Um, I will work six days a week, and um, but I, I really don't see what I do as work. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, you have to have work-life balance." I'm like, you know what? I actually like what I do. And I have the freedom. Like if I don't want to work for a day or whatever, or take the time off, I'll do that. But again, I, I will come in and I work with my wife. Uh, we work together. So that's mm. one thing that we share and, and uh, you know, obviously kids know
1: what we do and they're off doing their thing. So it's, yeah, it's that's great. great. Yeah. Nice. All right. Next question. How many hours do you sleep each night? Five and a half hours. Ooh, usually. a little low. Little low, little low, but I, I just, we just got a new puppy.
0: So, uh, okay. Little Lando there, but, uh, he's nice. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. It's funny. I was thinking Lando Calrissian and my, my wife and I are watching a lot of F1. So it's, uh, she was thinking Lando Norris and I'm like, okay, let's agree on Lando. Cool name. But, uh, yeah, little Lando.
1: Right on. I approve. All right. Next question here. What is your workout regimen?
0: Ah, workout, Regent. So I I've just done uh, a couple of rounds of 75 hard. I don't know if you checked that out, but that's another Andy Frisella thing. But I'm working out uh, a couple times a day. Um, hmm, you know, really? I'll, yeah, two times a day, 45 minutes in the morning. What I'll do is I'll get up. You know, I spend some time on the treadmill and do some you know TRX or whatever. I've been working out in the in the garage. I've I've turned my garage into a gym, and then the All basement right, a is box. Right, it's awesome. And then <laughs> uh, usually. Uh, the workout for me at night is basically just, uh, you know, I'll go for a 45 minute, an hour walk or something, uh brisk walk, but that's, yep. that's generally what I do. And I'll do that every day.
1: Good for you. Mm. All right. And last question here, if you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? Yeah.
0: So I would probably go back to my early twenties, you know, and I would say like, listen to all the stuff that you're listening to now. And people are telling you. And get it through your head so you don't have to get it through your head in your 30s and 40s. Because I look back, I actually listened to a lot of that stuff, but there's a few things in there that I, you know, a few lessons I believe that I could have learned a little earlier that would have made life a little bit easier. But again, that's the journey that we're all on, right? So I think, I, you know, it's funny. I just had this conversation with my 12-year-old because I said, yeah, you, you know, she's getting into the little rebellious time, right, with her, with herself. I'm starting to see it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, here we go put your seatbelt on. But uh, I just said to her, I said, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to probably know anything for about eight or 10 years, but once you get into your twenties, you're going to kind of be like, man, maybe he knows what he's talking about a little bit. So Mm -hmm. it's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So Yeah, that's what I would say. Actually, I'd like to say one other thing real quick, if sure, I could yeah. is um one of the things that I learned in my 30s was is that, you know, I made the choice to transition into a different career. You gotta be happy with whatever you're doing. And I think that one thing that I strive for, uh, and, and my biggest motivator, it's like I just I want to be happy. And one of my goals, like I've laid out my goals in life. And one of my goals is, is to have happy, well-adjusted children and have a happy life with my wife, happy life with my wife. But, and and I know that sounds really schmarmy, but a lot of things, what I've witnessed over the years is, is that people will get old and if they're not fulfilled and they have no, like no purpose and they're not doing anything you know, you generally just don't do very well, and, and whatever. So you just got a kid to keep going. You got to be happy and and truly happy. And no, it's yeah. not going to be through money and all of the other stuff. It's it's actually you have to enjoy what you're doing, and and have the purpose to do what you do. Like that's why I feel really great with what I'm doing. I'm just like that's awesome. This is a this is not work, and B, I get to positively impact people's lives, help them and their family. Get a nice secure home in Canada. And yeah, I make money doing that. But like the money is just a byproduct of doing a good right. job and providing value. So I think that's that's kind of where I'm at. So
1: good for you. You've you've arrived, as I would say. You're in that cool. spot where you wake up every day, you enjoy what you do. And that's hard for a lot of people. A lot of Love people it. are are trying to reach that point in their life. So thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thank you for letting me. Yeah. So I'll turn it over to you. Where can the
0: audience reach you? Well, people can just, you know, I'm on all the social stuff, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But if people want to just send me an email, you know, it's brandon at mysecondpassport.ca. I have a book. Uh, You could go to Amazon and buy it if you want. Or you could just send me an email and say, hey, Brandon, I really want to go to Canada. So send me a copy of your book. But there is a rider on that. There's a little proviso. And one of the things I alluded to is I always ask questions. So if you're going to send me an email, send it to Brandon at mysecondpassport.ca. say, Hey, I was listening to Sean and you chat. Send me a copy of your book. I'll send you a copy, but you have to tell me why you're interested in Canada because I'm always interested in why people want to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's it. So you can do that. And just, to, just to let you know, no, you won't get on some excessive spam list and no, it actually doesn't go to some virtual assistant in some far off land. It actually comes to me. And I respond to every email uh, myself. And I, I, nice. I, if you take the time to send me an email, I'll take the time to respond and not and give you some form response.
1: Nice. Well, this has been great, Brandon. Thank you so much for sharing your background cool. and the process of getting to Canada. I hope some of our customers to reach out. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Sean.
0: This was a lot of fun. Yeah. We'll happy on again. We'll see you. Cool. Cheers.
1: Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. Don't
0: be wasting any time I got somewhere to be Always on the grind Yeah, you know me All the
1: crown will be mine You can call me kid A matter of time For you all love me Finally at my prime Right where I wanna be I'm one of a kind That no one like me